you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 1, and also to Luke, chapter 24. I'm going to read the passage in Luke 24 to begin with. Both of these passages deal with the the ascension. Luke mentions it twice in the Gospel of Luke and also in the book of Acts that he he wrote. And so may God... uh, Blessed to our hearts, this reading of his word, and um, <clears throat> let's be thankful for his inspired word that he has given us. He's given us everything in this word that we need in life, and help us, Lord, uh, to be obedient to it as we hear it. Beginning in verse 45 of Luke chapter 24. God's word, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. I hope that's your prayer. It's my prayer that that he will open our understanding that we might comprehend the scriptures. Verse 46, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day in that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Now turn to to Acts, and I will begin reading in verse 8 through 14. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all continued with 
one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And uh, yes, Jesus had brothers. Uh, Mary did not remain a virgin. She had other children. And so, uh, again, may God bless to our hearing uh, this portion of his word. Christ ascended into heaven. That's a fact uh, that the scriptures speak about. He is leaving the state of humiliation and entering the state of exaltation as the enthroned king of the universe. And uh, let us give praise to that. Uh, He is no longer in a state of humiliation, but enthroned in a state of exaltation. And we have a king who, who is ruling and reigning. He rules and reigns in your heart if you're a Christian. He has, he has sent his spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that we read about, and he now indwells us. And we're going to see that uh, in, the, in the days of head, ahead. But so after giving them the great commission, he now ascends into heaven. Uh, actually, uh, not much uh, attention today is given concerning the ascension of Christ. As a matter of fact, this is the first time I ever preached on the ascension of Christ, and it's because we're going through the book of Acts. You hear a lot of sermons on the resurrection and uh, the death, burial of Christ, but uh, the ascension is highly significant in the scriptures. in, In 1 Corinthians 15, you don't find it mentioned as part of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, but it is highly significant, uh, and Jesus himself spoke of it often. We find, now I've got a lot of verses, so bear with me. Uh, I think I wore Janine out when she was putting them up on the overhead. She said, you're not going to have time to even comment. We're just going to be reading verses. So, so bear with me, but John 6.62, it says, Then if what if you see the Son of Man ascend, this is Jesus speaking, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Also, in John 16, 5 through 7, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And of course he did. And in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, Christ isn't speaking here, but uh, it says, As the time approached for him, that is Christ, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And so the scriptures are very clear about his ascension being taken up. Even Paul spoke of this in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord 
the glory of God the Father. He has been highly exalted in the highest place after his ascension when he was taken up. And so Paul uh, speaks of that. In Ephesians 1, 19 and 21, which we uh, looked at when we went through the book of Ephesians, but again it says, it is incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the, as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his ascension at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So we can see he's been highly exalted. And that's the Savior that we worship. Soon coming king, but he is now ruling and reigning uh, at the throne at the right hand of God. And so let's give him praise and glory uh, for who he is and what he has done for us in his death, uh, his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. Because uh, all praise is, is given to him. I want to see uh, four points this morning and, uh, or see this passage in four ways. In verse 9, we have the ascension. In verses 10 through 11, the appearance of the angels. And in verses 12 through 14, the activity of the disciples. And then lastly, the application. As you see, they all begin with A. And uh, you can take that for whatever it's worth. But first of all, we see the ascension in verse 9. And I want to note three things concerning the ascension. First thing is it was obvious. It was obvious. Uh, There was... No mistake about it. Uh, They uh, were standing there, and it's not like all of a sudden, poof, he's gone. And, you know, where did Jesus go? Did anybody see what happened? No, it was obvious. He was taken up, it said. And in the Greek, it means gradually. He was gradually, and they watched him go up. Now, how far up he got? Until they, you know, you can get into all that, and we're not going there. But nonetheless, it was a gradual thing, and they saw him bodily uh, uh, lifted up. And uh, so we can take great comfort in that. Um, this was a time to, for them to really see what was going on. And uh, so he gave them certainty of his ascension. And we can have certainty of it as well. Not only that, it was passive. Christ was lifted up by the power of the Father, uh, being honored, exalted by the Father. In Psalm 110, 1, we find, The Lord says to my Lord, this is David speaking, also quoted in the, in the Gospels by, by Jesus, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord, Jehovah says to my Lord, so David says, this one is my Lord, and yet he is going to be the son of David. In other words, Christ is God, and he is lifted up uh, and and, uh, 
in glory and exaltation. And uh, it was similar to when the Father said it is at Jesus' baptism, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So he has exalted him uh, and seated him at his right hand. And so, uh, again, take great comfort in that. Also, it was uh, majestic. It says in verse 9, in a cloud, the same cloud, I think, that followed Israel in the wilderness and filled the temple. This is a, uh, in other words, this event was like they were completely in awe. If you had have been there, you would have just stood there with your mouth open, I'm sure, in, in total awe. There's an interesting passage in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, some say this is uh, uh, speaking of the second coming, but I'm not sure if not the ascension. Uh, when I read this, and you can make up your own mind, but it says in verses 13 and 14, Daniel says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. So you say, oh, that's the second coming. All right, let's keep reading. He approached the ancient of days. In other words, the, the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. See, uh, he approached the... So in other words, it was not his uh, coming down, it was his going up. And so uh, I found one other commentator that agreed with me, so that says something maybe. But uh, think about it. In other words, the ascension is important, and uh, it was in the life of Christ. And it ought to be in our life as we'll apply it here at the end. Uh, <clears throat> also, secondly, we see the appearance of the angels. Now, it says two men, but these angels appeared as men. And I'm sure some of us have attended angels unawares, uh, most likely. And uh, I and I won't go into my angel experiences, but uh, you may have wondered that. That must have been an angel, because maybe they came along just when you needed uh, something or uh, uh, Janine had an experience with an angel saving her. Uh, anyway, that's the, this is not about angels. But anyway, the, the appearance of the angels here and the two men in white robes. And uh, they were probably uh, straining to get the last glimpse of Jesus as he, as he went up. It's kind of like the sunset on Mobile Bay where, you know, it's going down this big orange ball and you're watching it and it just starts disappearing. And I've even got up on my tiptoes like that would make a difference, you know, to see. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't confess that. But, uh, but nonetheless, you know, they were gazing. They, they were fixed. They were fixed on what was going on. And so they were, I think, awestruck. And yet at the st same time, feeling grief, because he was being taken from him. And so these angels say, why are you gazing 
your gazing won't bring him back, I think, is, is one idea. Uh, no matter how much you gaze, he is leaving. Uh, so there's a little gentle correction here, I think, by the angels. Uh, in other words, don't camp out on this hill and be stargazers. Uh, he's coming back. Prepare yourselves for this great work that you have to do. And so we have to be careful, do we not, that we're just not, as somebody said, be so heavenly minded that we're not any earthly good. And uh, uh, yet I think we need to be more heavenly minded uh, most of the time. But I understand what they're saying. Anyway, they, these words are also of uh, consolation. In other words, don't grieve. I know you're going to miss him, but don't grieve. Uh, don't worry. Jesus is coming again. And so they remembered, I believe, the promises that Jesus had made to them. For instance, we find that in John 14, 1 and 2. He says, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I'm sure they were troubled. He's being taken up from them. But then later on, they remembered his words. You believe in God, Jesus says, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If, if it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? He is, and uh, it's being prepared. By the way, he created the world in, what was it, six days? He's been preparing that now since he's glass, so that's going to be some kind of a place, isn't it? Uh, and, of course, he can create anything in an instant, but, uh, in other words, he is a good God. He's not going to leave us. Also, I think these are words of instructions. Instruction. Uh, it says, how would Jesus return? They tell him, in the same manner that you have seen him go into heaven. That's verse 11. In other words, in the same manner that he's been taken up, he will come again. It will be personal. It will be visible. It will be bodily. It will be in the clouds of glory. Hallelujah. And by the way, it took him a while to go up. And it, in the Greek, again, it means he was gradually taken up. So there was, it would be obvious to them. But when he comes again, is it going to be gradual? You do not find that anywhere. It's going to be quick. And, uh, and uh, there are some verses that teach us uh, that Revelation 1-7 says, Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Luke 17, 24. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. Are you looking forward to that? That's going to be something, isn't it? I had, by the way, a, a, a dream about the second coming. And uh, it, was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Also, Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, and 18, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And I think that's what was going on here. They were being encouraged as they saw him. Not only taken up, but promised he's coming again. And that's our promise. And we need to be encouraged by that. Also, 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. And give relief to you when you are troubled. And to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So, he will come quickly. He will come quickly. And uh, something for us to, to look forward to. Then thirdly, we see the activity of the disciples. The activity of the disciples in verses 12 through 14. You know, the bottom line, I think, is they obeyed Jesus. That was the activity they did. What did he tell them to do? Wait in Jerusalem. Wait. Be patient. Wait. And they did. They obeyed him. Uh, They waited for him. But you know what? They were busy. They were busy while they were waiting. What were they doing? Uh, In uh, Luke, it says in verse 52, notice they worshipped him. Why did they worship him? Because they realized who he was and who he is. They realized that he was the king of kings and lord of lords. And that he, as he ascended, he was one day coming back. And, and uh, so they worshipped him. They worshipped him. And we need to be doing that. That's why we meet together, isn't it? We come together to do what? Yeah, to be with each other and to share our problems, to pray with each other. But we come mainly to worship him. And so let me ask you, when you come, do you find yourself worshiping him? Or are you thinking of things that are going to happen maybe uh, tomorrow or things that are going to happen after the service or something that happened before you came? Where is your focus when you come to worship him? And uh, they were doing just that. They worshiped him. I think it was probably a deeper worship that they had than they'd ever had before. Can you imagine? After seeing what they had seen, they were completely in awe. Because, see, we haven't seen and we worship. They had seen. I mean, there he goes. Wow. Completely in awe. And so, boy, did that invoke worship. But you know what? I think that can be true of us as well. I think we can worship him. Uh, uh, in verse 52 it says and they rejoiced why were they rejoicing why were they rejoicing think about why were they rejoicing 
well, he's gone to heaven, and well, we'll never see him again, and oh, no. They rejoice because why? He's coming back. He's coming back. They didn't know when, and we don't, but he is coming. And so they were rejoicing. Also, it says in verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, they prayed They pray. in the upper room. They were praying. And we find his brothers uh, were there as believers. Jesus' brothers believe now. And yet, uh, at first, they were very skeptical. And we find they were there as well praying. Uh, What were they praying about? I think they were praying for one thing about the promise that to wait when the comforter would come. They were waiting patiently for God to work in them powerfully. We need to be patient and we need to ask God to work in us powerfully. Do you pray that? God, you know, I, mean, I just sometimes I find myself just like lethargic and kind of like, oh, ho hum, you know, humdrum, uh, another day. Uh, but do we say, Lord, work powerfully in my life? Take me, God, change me, mold me uh, into uh, the image of your Son. This is what uh, we should be doing. Pray and be prepared for his coming. Now the application, the application. What does the ascension mean for us today? What does it mean for us today? Uh, First of all, it should prompt us to worship. To worship with eyes of faith. With eyes of faith. We didn't see him ascend. We didn't see him after his uh, resurrection. Uh, We didn't see him crucified. But we can worship him with eyes of faith. You know, it's interesting when uh, the the, uh, Israelites went into, were preparing to go into the promised land. Remember, Some of them have eyes of faith and some of them had eyes of fear. Caleb and Joshua had eyes of faith and the other spies had eyes of fear. Fear of what? The giants, the walled cities, all that they were going to face. These believers were about to face very, very difficult times. And yet we find... uh, they worshipped him with, with eyes of faith. And they knew him and what he had promised was true. Also, secondly, it should cure us of our fear. It should cure us of our fear. Knowing that we serve an ascended Lord and soon coming King to reign forever and ever. That should cure you of all fear. Because when you die... Your soul goes to be with Christ immediately. And there will be peace and joy and contentment. 
There's no reason to fear death. When you go into the hospital, and I experienced this, and others have told me they experienced this, uh, when I had that great big tumor, and that tumor was going to be taken out, and I had a heart, so all, people said, aren't you fearful? You got this tumor that may be cancerous. And I said, if there was a button to push to go or to stay, I would push to go. I, I was in such perfect peace, it was like I was going in to get a Band-Aid put on a little cut. And all I could figure was, wow, I must be trusting Christ because I don't have a spirit of fear. I have a spirit of, of power, of love, and a sound mind. Not a spirit of fear. And that wasn't me because, as Janine will tell you, I was very fearful for, for the longest time uh, and did not have eyes of faith like I should have. But anyway, we should, it should cure us of fear. Uh, by the way, these angels appear right beside them. And what did angels usually do when they appeared before people? People would fall down and, and worship them or fear them. And these, they didn't do that. Why? They had their eyes fixed on Jesus. Think about that. Our relationship with Jesus, thirdly, is not by sight but by faith. We trust him by faith. And he intercedes for us. You know, we have real hope. We have real hope. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way the Spirit helps us. Remember, Christ has sent his Spirit. And we have that Spirit. He is no longer among us, but, uh, with us, but he is in us. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Also, fourthly, ascension should intensify our joy. It says that they rejoiced here. I hope you are filled with joy unspeakable. It's amazing you can have joy unspeakable. But what happens, what, what takes away that joy in our lives? We take our eyes off of Jesus. Because Jesus is our joy. It's just really as simple as that. We need to believe and understand and rejoice that uh, Jesus has, has blessed us so abundantly. We have his spirit. Galatians, remember Galatians 5, uh, 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit, and we have a list here, and that's the fruit of the spirit. And if you're a believer this morning, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, you have the fruit of love. Notice the second one, joy. You can have great joy in your, you can live a life of joy, but you've got to focus on Christ. You've got to look to him. Uh, if you start looking at all your problems and all your trials and all your tribulations and everything that's happening in your life, the joy will go. But if you say, you know what, I serve a risen Savior. I 
serve an ascended Lord who's at the right hand of God right now interceding for me, cares about me, all of my problems, and he's given me his spirit and he's filled me with love unspeakable. And he has, if you know him. We need to be filled with that spirit, which we're going to look at uh, in the day, days ahead. Do we love thinking about his appearing? Does his coming again excite you? I'm sure as he ascended, it excited them. Whoa. Wow. But does his coming again excite you? 2 Timothy 4.8 Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, Paul says, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Who have loved his appearing. Can you say right now Right this minute, I want you to come back, Lord. If, if that was in your power, would you do it? It's not. I would. I would want him to. Somebody says, well, I don't want. I, I, you know, I remember thinking this. Lord, don't come back till I get married. Ooh, that's not real good, is it? Because, no, we should long for his uh, appearing. To where it's like, come right now. Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. Come quickly. Revelation 22.20. He who testifies to these things says, I, Jesus said, what did he say? I am coming soon. Amen. John says, come, Lord Jesus. Come. Is that the desire of your heart? To take me out of this uh, world because this is not my home. Uh, come even right now. And then we find, uh, fifthly, the ascension should encourage us to pray. Why? We read scripture that he has all power. He has all power, all authority. He sympathizes with our infirmities. He loves us. And we can go directly to him. You know the problem? We don't go to him. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't. So, I, you know, it's, it's I want to do it. You know, I'll, I'll run to you, God, if, if I really need you. But look, I can do most of it. And we don't run to him. Sad to say. But what... This, uh, Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. Not, you know, if you love me, Lord, and if I've been good this week, and, and uh, Lord, I'd like a little crump. No. So that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That will happen every time you go to him. Every time you go to him. There will be grace and mercy in our time of need. Every time. Not just most of the time. Every time if you go him.
And then it should spur us to be witnesses. Sixthly, it should spur us to be witnesses, bold witnesses. Ascension means all authority has been given him. So we need to do what? Go in all authority. See, we, you don't go to somebody and say, well, I'd like to share the gospel with you. Well, that's good, but I want to tell you something that's going to change your life. Not just to share, you know. No, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what you really need. We declare the gospel. We don't just share it. We declare the gospel because we have experienced this gospel and we have found it to change us and to move us and to uh, bless us in every aspect of our lives. And so help us, Lord, to declare the gospel with all authority because it's true. We need to tell people to repent and believe because judgment is at hand. You know, Peter ended it, uh, uh, his, not ended his epistle, but 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 is a, is a and I'm just going to read this verse, and I want you to think about it and end with the reading of this verse. <clears throat> because, you see, we have not seen the Lord physically. But we have seen him by faith. And that faith is a gift of God. And we believe. And it's changed our lives. It's still changing our lives. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you what? Isn't that amazing? I love him. I really do. I love him. He's the love of my life, even though he's, God has given me a wonderful woman. Jesus is the love of my life. I love him. And when I think about what he's done for me, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven, and one day soon in coming king, I love him. Let it, let it pierce your heart. So that you will cry out, I love you, Lord. Come quickly. I love you, Lord. And even though you don't, do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled. See, you can be filled. We're going to talk about that, being filled with the Spirit, with an expressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Lord, he has moved us with great joy to know that you are with us, that you intercede for us, you care for us, for our every need. And so, Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. May he be the love of our life in our joy, in our peace. Oh God, work in each heart this morning. We ask in Jesus' name.